You are listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, a Canadian guide to building dependable wealth. Join your hosts, Richard Canfield and Jason Lowe, as they unlock the secrets to creating financial peace of mind in an uncertain world. Discover the strategies and mindsets to a financial future that you can bank on. Okay, the word retirement. Okay, and uh, the words preferred retirement solution or um, some some of the commercial banks name it an insured retirement program. Uh, and this is different than the United States. In the United States, words like that aren't used. <laughs> you know, a life insurance contract is a life insurance contract. And yeah, you can use, of course, all of the guaranteed loan provisions and all of that in any way that you see fit. But the actual marketing of utilizing a participating dividend paying whole life insurance contract as a tool that will provide contractually guaranteed value, ever increasing value that you can borrow against, you know, the, the life insurance companies, commercial banks, they utilize those terms that I, they came up with those terms that I just shared, preferred retirement solution, um, insured retirement program, cash surrender value lending. So existing policy owners um, get really excited about how they can utilize their policy or their system of policies to either be a supplemental source of cash that they can certainly use to spend in retirement or as their sole source of cash that they're going to utilize in that phase of their lifetime. And we've received some really great comments from listeners who have said, hey, can, would you mind just doing an episode and maybe just expanding on it, talking about a little bit more, um, sharing, you know, uh, refreshing maybe people on um, the attributes of the tool and how it can be utilized in such a way. But what are your thoughts, Rich? Like when, as those types of conversations come up for you with uh, existing and prospective uh, policy owners? Well, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts, but the first one that always comes up for me and just all things being equal is I cringe when I hear the word retirement. Yeah. Like legit, the word just, it kind of pisses me off. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's a word that I think shouldn't exist in the, in the English language. You know, I think about our conversations with Nelson, how Nelson felt about it. Mm. What the word represents is fine. I'm okay with what, you know, it, 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 it's, it's intended to represent for, yeah. The average person. It's that period of time when you're no longer in active career oriented work, you know, yeah. the typical career path, whatever that is you're on, and you've transitioned now to some kind of passive income. So maybe there's a little bit of active, but primarily you're operating on a passive income. Yeah. But the, the idea that it's that it's retirement is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it just means it's the big sleep, you know. Well, so it's I, really the true meaning of it is to be taken out of service. Right. And not many people that I interact with want that to happen. But they, what people associate retirement with is, hey, I'm I'm taking a step back. I'm I'm I've got more freedom of time. I have more freedom of purpose. Um, I have the freedom to to do what I want when I want. But I need that rocket fuel, which is money, right, to look after all of my personal financial needs, uh, to take care of my family, to travel, to do all those things that an abundance of time gives you inspiration to go and do. And, and the question always is, where is that money 
where is it going to come from? And uh, one of the things that you and I talk about is uh, let's let's use an example where somebody has existing retirement accounts. So they've got registered retirement savings plans. Maybe they have locked in retirement accounts. Maybe they have defined pension plans, et cetera. All this, uh, diff these different types of products, right? And when you introduce a participating dividend paying whole life policy, it's a permanent policy. So you're insured for your entire lifetime, provided that you pay the premiums and that the policies maintain that way. Well, that death benefit if you didn't borrow against any of the accumulation of cash value, let's just set that aside for a second as a sequence of steps. If you didn't do that at all, that ever increasing death benefit in that policy is your permission slip to spend your retirement accounts. Because what most parents or grandparents do is they say, well, we're in retirement now, but we don't want to spend all the money in the retirement accounts because we want to leave something behind to the kids and to the grandkids. And hopefully we get to see some great grandkids running around before we graduate and we want to leave money behind. Well, do you want to do that from accounts that are forever taxed or do you want to pay the tax when you know what the calculation is now and know that you have more than enough tax-free windfall of death benefit? That gives you the permission to go and spend those accounts in retirement because you know that the death benefit windfall is not going to trigger any taxable event when you have named beneficiaries and you're leaving that money behind. What do you want to leave behind? Your entire estate value? Or do you want to leave behind only the value after tax or after what you've spent? Well, you should have a policy in place that captures your entire estate value, taking into account what it would grow into. And then have all that money show up exactly when it's needed the most. It bypasses the estate, bypasses probate, goes right to the beneficiaries, and there's no taxable event triggered. And we haven't even talked about borrowing against the accumulating value. We're just talking about the death benefit characteristics, which must always have merit, right? We would never place a policy on anyone's life where the death benefit didn't have merit. So let's make sure that the death benefit has enough merit in the way of in the way of dollars <laughs> that are going to come back, you know, exactly when they're needed. So in simplicity, that's one way to look at the tool, right? Well, and there's several uh, additional components tied to that, Jason. And we started off talking about the idea of a preferred retirement solution, which in, in is, is a method of using quote unquote, the insurance or its value, accumulated value to support supplemental income. Right. What you've identified, and I think it's really important people understand is that because the insurance is in place, the thinking and decisions that are available to you, knowing that it will be there as a human being and what you want to see happen when you're gone, yeah, changes the game on every other aspect of your quote unquote retirement. So it's yeah. a preferred solution, even if you don't touch it. <laughs> because it's it provides perfect. certainty. Totally. It totally. provides certainty. And who at that time of your life, in that phase of your life, um, certainty matters a lot because it can be directly attributed to your longevity as well. And people already are living longer. But if you have financial certainty and you, you've reduced stress and the anxiety of, oh my God, what if I outlive my money? Or what if tax rates go up to 80%? Uh, what if there's more volatility 
um, in the coming years in the market. Um, how much of my money is exposed? If you were to conduct, we, we did this, uh, you remember this in a session. If you were to conduct a liquidity test, okay, so if you took a look at all of your, if you just essentially created a personal net worth statement, okay, that captured all your assets, all your liabilities. And if you were to look at all your assets, ask yourself, which of those assets could I liquidate, turn into cash without reducing the asset's value and without triggering a dollar of tax? And the majority of people that we meet with, they have no assets on their personal or corporate balance sheet that they could do that. You introduce the policy and the policy when death occurs and before death can be turned into cash without reducing the asset's value and without triggering a dollar of tax. So knowing that, how much capital do you not want residing there? Well, I was, uh, I was recording a podcast, um, uh, Canadian multifamily podcast earlier today and yeah. thinking about, you know, people building to buying multifamily units and everything. Well, right now and at the present time of this recording, we're in Q1 of 2023. There's a, there's a ton of, uh, market volatility or uncertainty in the marketplace because of interest rates, borrowing potential, borrowing capacity and, and a whole number of things. Yeah. I went, and when those things happen, you know, you're buying most families where well, you're looking for investors to help you do that. And they're holding on to some of their money too, because they're also uncertain. So like the whole thing kind of freezes up a little bit. Yeah. And, but you, you think about those market timeframes, which you can't really truly time or control. And, you know, th that has a direct, can have a direct impact to the value of a building that you want. Right. Or whether it's a commercial building, multifamily building or a single family house. Well, when you kick the bucket and you have the insurance in place, it always sells for as high as possible appraised value and you don't have to pay any real estate commissions to get the money liquidated <laughs> and it happens automatically you don't have to wait for the market to to absorb it onto the onto the market you don't have to have people trudging through the house you know taking a look at it and all these kind of things that you need to do with other types of asset classes i mean you know specifically looking at the real estate it it's so ridiculously simple nelson nash used to say this is ridiculously simple yeah and we, as human beings, want to overcomplicate things in our brain, but it's, it really doesn't need to be so. You're going to kick the bucket. Money needs to show up. It'll either be there or it won't. It'll be in an account that's easy to have it exited or it won't. And, or, and it'll be in an account value that you want or it won't. <laughs> yeah. Well, the insurance will allow it to be, to meet those things no matter what, because you have it in place. And those that don't have it, you know, their family members are sitting there wondering, where is it? Where was it? Yeah. And uh, I don't think anyone's family members are going to sit there thinking, boy, I really wish when grandpa or, you know, or pops passed away that we had, that we, that we didn't have this life insurance. I really wish that it wasn't there. Like that's yeah. never been stated. Yeah. That's a really good point. And if, if grandpa utilized it while he was still alive, the family would also be sharing, Hey, you know what? This uh, policy or this system of policies that grandpa had took great care of him in his retirement years. He was able to borrow against that ever-increasing cash value 
which cash value is just the present value of a future payment of a death benefit. That's what cash value is. And we know from our uh, best-selling, universal best-selling book titled Cash Follows the Leader, which if you haven't read, it's quite an exceptional book. You should buy 10 copies of it right now <laughs> and distribute them to your neighbors. Um, but in that universal best-selling book, we talk about the attributes of how the policy is engineered in the sense that the insurance company is um, what the moment that a policy is created, there's a promise to pay and there's a promise to pay when it's needed the most. And there's a contractual guarantee to accumulate. And that accumulation is cash value. And that accumulation is contractually guaranteed. And the accumulation frequency is daily. And so again, if you, if you want to better understand how to utilize this in retirement, we would encourage you to not only be thinking about retirement, but be, to be thinking about the fact that you're going to need to use some money for the rest of your lifetime and that this tool can represent a significant advantage to you because you can, you can uh, engineer the outcome. That's, that's the beauty of it. You can literally engineer the outcome. You can say, look, uh, I want to create a system that enables me to control a function in my life, banking, that enables me to control how I finance the things that I need in life, infinite banking concept, insurance policy is a product. I can utilize this product to help me to implement a process that will also serve me well in those years where I don't particularly like volatility anymore. I spontaneously self-combust anytime the topic of taxes come up. I want to leave something behind to my beneficiaries. And I want to leave something behind that captures my entire estate value, not the after-tax and after-spend value. I want the money to show up exactly when it's needed the most, which is our definition of the best investment, courtesy of Ben Feldman, the late Ben Feldman, who's the Wayne Gretzky of the participating whole life insurance uh, industry. His definition of the best investment is one that pays the most when it's needed the most. So again, this begs uh, logic. Okay, logically, I can store money somewhere so I got to make a decision of where I'm going to warehouse that money. I can warehouse it inside of an entity that I own, a life insurance company. And I have a co-ownership interest in as a policy owner, a participating policy owner. They're going to share the profits of that business with me and with everyone else who co-owns the company. The daily accumulation is going to attract zero, zero tax. The death benefit, provided you have named beneficiaries, will attract zero tax. If you have a corporate-owned policy, the policy is exempt from the passive investment income tax rules. The transcript is going to read with bold. Uh, yeah. For this, for this I'm, I'm leaning into the microphone. I'm talking like this, <laughs> hoping it has more impact. But here's the deal. If you understand all that, and you also understand that you have a contractually guaranteed loan provision that permits you to request a loan to borrow against that accumulating value, whether that loan is from the life insurance company or whether you collaterally assign the policy with a conventional bank 
that will provide you with a cash surrender value line of credit or a cash surrender value loan, whatever umbrella they, they place that under. And they'll lend to you up to a maximum of 100% of that ever-increasing value. And they expect no repayment until death. When you add up all of these attributes, ask yourself a logical question. How much capital do I not want residing there? It's not about comparing it to an RSP, the stock market, an RESP, a mutual fund, uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, real estate. It's not about comparing it to any of that because from this very place, you can go and invest in all that stuff if that's what you choose to do. But where do you want your warehouse of wealth to reside? You want it to reside on a solid foundation or in a field of landmines? Well, pick. Uh, speaking of field of landmines, uh, the other thing that comes up for me when you, you know, you asked me when I, when I think about this earlier is recognizing the periods of volatil volatility that we do have. And they, they come at us at unexpected timeframes. There's market volatility again, whether it's interest rate risk or uh, stock market risk or real estate market risk or whatever or geopolitical risk, whatever those things are, those are all market-related factors that we have very little control over. And then there's also uh, volatility factors of just your own life. There's things yeah. that happen on your day-to-day -day life. There's, you know, the I refer to it as the uh, get kicked in the nuts moments of life where things just don't go the right way. Those are so really that's painful a, moments, by the way. Very painful moments. That is a kind of volatility that comes up. And so the policy gives you not only what you identified, Jason, the permission to spend down your other assets, but it also gives you the permission to allow your other assets to recover or to allow your, your life circumstances to recover. Yeah. So if, if like right now at the period of mark uh, of recording this, you know, the stock market has taken a pretty big dive in the last, you know, eight months, it was up at a you know big high and then boom comes crashing down. So if you're in a position where that was you and it's you're in your retirement years, quote unquote, passive income years, and you're drawing down an income and that's what you've got all your money tied into. Well, if the market takes a 30% dive and you're pulling money out, that's a double paying event. That's two kicks in the nuts. All right. Boom. Market went down. That's kick number one. Oh, I got to take money out. And now I've depleted the principal balance substantially. So my ability to create continuity of income has been dramatically impacted because of that yeah. market shift. So when you have now an asset class that doesn't have that problem, the insurance, if you wanted to, you're going to take your passive income and let's just say it was $50,000 a year. Well, rather than draining down your depleted, reduced market value resources, you can now access 50,000 from the policy through a collateral uh, uh, instrument of some nature. Meanwhile, you because you didn't touch the other assets, you're giving them the time necessary for the market to rebound. So what if you had to do that for two, three, four years? Then the market comes back up. You didn't kill the principal. So now you're back to being allow, allowing that other asset or investment class to produce the income you need. And meanwhile, the policy grew the same time frame too. So that is a massive advantage, both psychologically and financially, to have that sort of a, a thing in your repertoire, in your wheelhouse, your control to be able to dictate the terms of where and how you choose to take an income. So just the pure fact that you can have control over where and how you take an income alone is good. 
add in these market adjusting factors and having a, this bulletproof, you know, asset class of of dividend paying life insurance as the backbone that supports everything else that you do, and you're just creating an ever increasing, enhancing peace of mind in relationship to your financial life. Yeah, and that's really, really good to have. And you know, when you think when you talk about stock market volatility and you hear that expression of, you know, the market will come back. It always does. Well, historically, that's true, right? That there's nothing false about a statement like that. But the statement's incomplete because it should be followed by a question. The market always comes back, but on whose schedule? It's certainly, uh, the market doesn't care when you plan to retire. The market doesn't care that you're retired and the market's declined and the market doesn't care what your um, dates are in terms of when you need the money and how much of it you need. The market doesn't, is not correlated to your calendar. And so again, it just kind of begs the introduction of logic if your money can be warehoused inside of an instrument that is correlated directly to you as a co-owner, because the guarantee is very simple, the cash value must grow to match the total death benefit by age 100 of the life that is insured. Not by age 100 of the stock market or by age 100 of the next real estate cycle or by age 100 of the next group of bonehead politicians. It's, it's all about you. And so if you have a company that you co-own and the company is solely responsive to you and is mandated to fulfill legally binding contractual guarantees to you and has never failed to do so, right alongside all the volatility of a market, uh, how much of your capital do you not want residing there? I know I sound like a broken record, but I've been asking that question in talks that I've been doing this year. And it's almost like uh, I got to put sunglasses on in a conference hall because it's the, the bright lights of ooh, like it just kind of opens up this like epiphany of, oh, my God, he's got a point. Right. I'm not suggesting for a moment that you look at, hey, I've got 100,000 of income. I'm going to take all my income, and put it into a policy tomorrow afternoon. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just asking that you introduce logic because you can gradually and incrementally over a period of several years, you can build a system of policies where, again, the attributes are very clear. Uh, the death benefit must have merit. The life insurance company underwriter is not going to permit you to purchase more death benefit than can be justified. So there has to be a need there. But I'll tell you, over the years, like you and I can attest to it, our, we have clients who have, who have amassed a large quantity of policies and the cumulative death benefit has merit. Totally justifiable. And, it's not and that, that changes over time. As it your does, yeah. changes, your network you grow. changes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and so and when Jason says you grow, he's not saying, Richard, you've put on a little bit of uh, weight. I am not suggesting that. Uh, I'm not suggesting that. I don't <laughs> mind shrinking in weight. I, I, I do mind uh, my financial value shrinking. 
I don't want my account balances shrinking. My waistline, absolutely. <laughs> At any time, please shrink. <laughs> please, I don't need to shrink. Um, One thing I liked about what you were saying, you know, given all the market stuff is like, you know, basically at the end of the day, the market just doesn't care about your feelings, you know, and, uh, and you mentioned, you know, again, uh, the historical aspect of an insurance company doing an amazingly great job since basically since inception, but you, you know, you have the market and it's running on one side and the insurance companies on the other side. So, so they're, they're walking through the same period of time but they're just independent of one another and how, totally. and how they operate. And that is the key differentiator. And one thing that came up for me in this conversation, when we're talking about the permission to spend model, spending down your other assets, I reflected back on one of our other mentors, the late Bob Shields and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, have, you know, amazing guy, Bob, uh, again, passed away uh, just shortly before I believe Nelson did. And uh, really interesting character. And so he wrote a book called you don't have to die to win. And uh, that that book, he talked about a lot of interesting ideas. And one of the things he would say to us is, look, you, you can't take your house to heaven with you. You know, whatever you've got, you can't take it with you. So yeah. who should spend the house? You know, and so he had he, he just wanted to get people thinking differently. And because, you know, the whole idea is you, you pay your house off and then you have no, you know, no house payments or whatever. But a lot of people end up having a huge amount of their equity and their and their asset value tied into their primary home and their residence. Well, if you have the insurance in place, one of the things that, you know, people in their older age, they, they don't want to leave a loan and they don't want to leave a mortgage or something, responsibility to the kids or the grandkids when they go on the house. But they, so they'll do without yeah, so that they can leave more behind. In other words, they, they, they choose to take less and, and live a more modest lifestyle. Whereas if you have the insurance in place and you know that it's going to fill that gap, it's going to come and provide that replacement value. Then it gives you the, the, again, the permission or the potential of being able to spend the house, I'm not suggesting that you do that. It's about having a different concept, a different thinking idea of what's possible when you have different tools in place that are supporting your financial existence. And for most people, they won't think of that because they don't have, they don't have a volatility buffer already installed in their financial plan. Yeah, but it's the moment that you get that thing installed, and you create that certainty, you're just you're just amplifying your resource, uh, your your decision making resources for the future events that are going to surely going to come about in your financial life. Yeah, really good point, and you know um, that's actually going to be a book title. We'll have to capture that um, book title, subtitle. There's something there, but you know, don't do don't do without and leave more behind. And so it's, it's going to be, yeah, we'll do, we'll just write a book on it. I hope our listeners will be cool with that. Um, but what we want you to do, if you haven't already, you got to read the book, Cash Follows the Leader. It's a great read. The feedback that we've been getting on that book has been amazing. And so if you haven't read it, you have an opportunity to get your hands on a copy of it. Um, I hope the conversation, you know, inspires people to expand their thinking. Um, if you haven't even been considering utilizing this tool um, as part of your planning, you know, while you're alive um, in all your phases of life and then uh, recognizing what happens when you graduate, then uh, you also have an opportunity. And so get connected with the right person on our team. And we'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you about that. We, we've got a number of things, right? We're encouraging you to read a book. Uh, we always encourage you to go to seven steps, go to seven steps.ca 
sevensteps.ca, sevensteps.ca. Don't you hate that when you're listening to a commercial on the radio? And it's like, shut up already. I understand what you said. And so, <laughs> right? So we want people to go there. We want people to read a book. What we want you to do is we want you to receive inspiration to either improve or expand um, what's happening in your life financially, to bring you more certainty, right? To remove uncertainty and replace it with clarity, to have an impact on your family, your business, um, or both. And so thanks for listening. Um, if you're on the YouTubes, you're going to see that playlist pop up, which is really cool. It just kind of appears out of nowhere. And we would encourage you to watch the next video that's being recommended to you so you can continue your journey of learning. So there's a lot of steps, right? Go to seven steps, watch a video, read a book, order a book, write a book. <laughs> we want people to do 78 get, things. Get some insurance. <laughs> yeah, right. Buy some insurance. Um, but look, it, we just want to get connected with you. Uh, as always, we always share if, if you like what you see and you like what you hear. Uh, connect with us. Um, we talk to Canadians coast to coast and now Americans coast to coast under the brand of Life Eva and under the brand of Ascendant Financial here in Canada. And so we'd love to have a conversation with you. Just uh, get connected with uh, the right person on our team. Rich, always a pleasure. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Yeah, Appreciate, man. You. Appreciate you. Likewise. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, where your wealth matters. Be sure to check out our social media channels for more great content. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and be sure to rate the show. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to share this episode with someone you care about. Join us on the next episode where we continue to uncover the financial tools, strategies, and the mindsets that maximize your wealth.